following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener. Guardians of the Galaxy, The Expanse, Rollerball, Tammy and the T-Rex, Mac and Me, Mannequin 2, On the Move, The Philadelphia Experiment, Planet of the Apes, Battlestar Galactica, The Goonies, Mad Max, Fury Road, Rob Schneider's The Animal, Crow, Flash Gordon, Space Invaders, and Muppet Treasure Island. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie and then try to determine which one is cooler. Robots, dinosaurs, or ferocious space possums. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always is the person who chose the movie that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, And today that person is Jason Carubia. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Good, good day, Luigi. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm glad to have you back. being back on the show. Always glad to have you. Um, Jason, why don't you tell the listeners what movie we are going to be talking about today on Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Today on Robots vs. Dinosaurs, we are trying to encourage hate mail. Um, we're going to bring in a movie that I, to admittedly, I had never seen before. And I'm so surprised that I've never heard of or seen this movie. It's called The Ice Pirates from 1984. That's right, the Ice Pirates. Um, and speaking of hate mail, by the way, listeners, uh, go ahead and send in your hate mail to robosvdinos at gmail.com. Um, if you're following our Moon Knight coverage on RVD, uh, you'll know that uh, we've already gotten two, uh, two new writers that have sent in, uh, sent in some mail, so, so jump on the bandwagon. Um, but the Ice Pirates is what we're talking about today. This is directed by Stuart Raffle, Written by Stanford Sherman. Uh, some of the stars of this movie, Robert Urich, Michael D. Roberts, Mary Crosby, uh, Angelica Houston, uh, also Ron Perlman. Um, this movie also stars Space Herpes. Uh, am I forgetting anyone, Jason? Oh, yeah. You're forgetting Bruce Valanche, who's in there. My gosh, you're right. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Valanche. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I, I don't know how... How this movie slipped uh, out of my purview? I can't. I can't understand how I've never seen this. I've seen a lot of old movies and a lot of bad movies and a lot of eighties movies. And for some reason, this movie just wasn't in my radar. And I'm thinking it's because it's one of those movies that was in the box office. I was too young at the time, of course. And mm. then they didn't really pick it up for syndication. And it wasn't something that I had. I would have rented. You know, just because it was low budget and not really widely distributed. Yeah. So I think that could be the reason why I, I've never seen it. And and uh, those people I know that have seen it, they're they're like hardcore, you know, hate love fans of this film. It like strikes a really, really specific um, uh, spot in their hearts from the 80s. I have a couple of theories as to why this movie is lives in obscurity. Um, okay. One is that. It, it kind of doesn't know what it wants to be. Uh, and I think, I think we're going to talk about a lot like what genre this might fit into. But the other reason might be a good reason. And I think this is a it's probably appropriate for us to do like a slight content warning. If you haven't seen this movie, uh, there is there. There are a couple of hugely problematic things that happen in it um, that are unforgivable, unnecessary and. Uh, I think might have a lot to do with the reason that this movie is not as popular as it could have been 
if those things didn't exist in it. Do you know what I mean? Don't get us wrong. This movie has problems. It's deeply problematic. It's mm-hmm. it's very troubling. It's 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 cringeworthy at many many times. It's it's really 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 bad on so many different levels, and uh, in it's it's really really disturbing in most most parts of the film. <laughs> and, and I'm forcing you to watch it. Thank you so much for watching it with me, Lou. Um, yeah, Let's I just, talk a little I, bit about like how this movie came to be, like how oh, it, okay. how it exists, you know, how what is this movie? Um, but a little brief history of the film at the time, you know, we this is 1984, and we're all into space and sci-fi, and also one genre that had gotten some notoriety was this this kind of space fantasy genre, mm-hmm. and it kind of, the fantasy genre kind of started off a little bit with with Conan the Barbarian. You know, mm-hmm. back in, in the early early eighties, nineteen eighty, um, and then and that brought, brought like there was other films that were released after Conan, but um, a big one at that time that was released just a couple years prior was this film called Crawl, mm-hmm. and Crawl was what they called a swashbuckler film. Now, what is a swashbuckler film? It's um, an action comedy film with some romantic element. There's a damsel in duress, distress. Uh, there's really some type of like central more. Uh, morality or heroism but the most important thing is that there's sword fighting and usually some type of pirate element to it so this is the first i i'm not sure if this is the first but i would say in the other former genre that you really appreciate pirates this is probably one of our first podcasts talking about pirates um maybe we should call this podcast the robots versus dinosaurs versus pirates podcast today Mm, versus space pirates specifically which are my favorite kind of pirates um, I mean, there, I would so also say pirates, yeah. Flash Gordon is part of that wave of like Absolutely. late 70s, early 80s, uh, space fantasy, um, like the, the combination of like swords and sandals and also robots and laser guns and right. <laughs> space so, herpes. Exactly. I mentioned Krull because the uh, person who wrote Krull wrote another screenplay that was sold around Hollywood at the time, which was The Ice Pirates. Um, It wasn't called The Ice Pirates at the time. Um, It was actually called something else. Uh, It was called The Crimson. Uh, No, 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 I'm sorry. Not The Crimson. The, um, I'll have to look up. The Water Planet. That was called The Water Planet. Oh, that's a way worse name. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Stuart Raffel, the director, was brought in by MGM and um, a few of the producers, um, specifically John Foreman, and there was another one, David Bagelman, um, to direct this film. And they decided to rewrite it, and they and and uh, thus the Ice Pirates was born. And they drew a lot of inspiration from old Burt Lancaster swashbuckler films, mm-hmm. specifically the film The Crimson Pirate. Um, people might know like a lot of the swashbuckler films because there's a, a lot of very, very famous actors in them. Douglas Fairbanks was one of them. Um, he did films like Mask of Zorro and Robin Hood for years. But the big one that people really remember um, in the 30s and 50s, which really made the swashbuckler film explode, was Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only were his his movies full of action, sword fighting, and romance, and they were very fun to watch. Um, he had huge scores to them too, and uh, and these these sweeping overtures with with intense, you know, epic epic themes. And and watching Errol Flynn movies is definitely a different genre. And met much of this film, you can see where they were trying to do it unsuccessfully. Um. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> what does this movie do successfully, Jason? That's my. That's one of my questions for you. It, 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 yeah. What does it do successfully? What does it do, if anything, successfully? Actually, the music is probably the best part of the film. I was really, really digging the music, especially that 80s rock, that rock uh, ballad theme at the end that they yeah. had. Yeah, I'll give it that. When when it starts out, it's I, I actually I'll, I'll I'll be honest. When I like when I was when you said the name of this movie, and in the first couple of minutes of it, when especially when I found out Angelic Houston is in it, Ron Perlman's in it, um, I started watching it. I started getting excited. Uh, we have these red clouds in space. There's this very groovy soundtrack, and this text narration. Um, oh, it's actually it's text and narration. They 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 don't rely on the audience to just read the text up there. They also have somebody narrating it for you. Uh, but it's telling us um, long after the interplanetary wars, the galaxy has gone dry. Water has become the only thing left of value. Evil Templars from the pa- planet Mithra have gained control of this life giving resource. Their power is now absolute, except for a few rebel pirates who survive by stealing ice from the great Templar fleets. Yeah, and, and when you watch the opening text, it's not a crawl, it's just text on the screen, mm-hmm. and unlike Star Wars. And I was watching it a second time yesterday with my girlfriend, and she turned to me and said, wait, when was this movie made? And I said, 1984. She said, no, 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 no. This movie looks like it was made in the maybe early 70s, late mm-hmm. 60s. It's not that good. The production value is poor. And which is surprising, for a movie with a $9 million budget. Um, nine? Where did that $9 million go? Where did it go? Uh, there's, there's a story that one of the uh, producers who they had brought on, um, one of the producers left MGM, I guess, or was having to transition through MGM. So they brought on this producer named Frank Yoblins, and there was discussion of him possibly embezzling money from the film. And it ended up being this big fiasco because at one point he tried to sabotage the film and pull the budget from it. Um, yeah, and and then and then at one point, I guess one of the producers he was good friends with uh, Paul Newman, and one of the other producers made a like a off color comment about Paul Newman's wife, and then this producer punched him in the face. What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like crazy stories with this movie. I just it's it's hard to understand um, how this movie was made. But if you think about the movie that came two years prior, if you think about Call, uh, Crawl, sorry, Crawl, Crawl was a big flop. Was a huge flop. You know mm-hmm. they they had they had a thirty million dollar budget for Crawl. They had they had a big one, and then and then it only brought in sixteen point nine million. So the fact that MGM even went with this, you know, is huge. Um, well, I mean, Return of the Jedi had just wrapped a year prior, and yeah. so like the the like this is an obvious Star Wars cash in. So I could see how it got greenlit because you know in the years following Star and once Star Wars ends, every movie studio is going to be like, well, we got to keep it going, we got to keep keep this hype going, and 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 strike while the iron's hot. Mm. That's possible. Yeah, or in the case of Ice Pirates, I guess while it's ice cold. Yeah, Crawl has a very, very similar feel and tone to it as being just fantastical. It doesn't attempt the comedy as much, mm. um, and it, it, it seems it, it just has a different, yeah, different feeling. Um, but it's it's almost as bad, almost as bad. The special there, effects are slightly better. 
Yeah, I, I'll be honest, though. I, I'm not mad at the special effects being or looking low budget in this movie. That's that's not at all one of my issues with it. Oh, I, um, I disagree. I'm horribly mad, at, especially the uh, these computer generated images on the screens that they're <laughs> when they're when they're trying to battle the other ships and and, and fight. They literally rip off uh, video games and it space looks invaders. worse than a video. It's space literally invaders. space invader. It even it's says like contest over. They say it's a game over shot. contest over. And it looks yeah. awful. It looks horrible. It sure does. But it's part, I think it's part of the comedy and I like, I can accept this movie as a comedy first and foremost. Um, I mean, just, I think a lot of it is it's meant to be a farce. It's meant to be a spoof on a lot of these things, but it doesn't, the thing is, it doesn't quite reach levels of, like, Spaceballs, which is a straight-up farce, a straight-up parody. Um, and sometimes it feels like it doesn't want to dip its its feet too much into those waters, and it wants to try to be a little serious. And that's where I think it starts to go wrong. Like, Michael, Michael D. Roberts is excellent. He is doing really great... Um, physical comedy i love his delivery like i just love his banter with the captain uh they're well they're sort of like how, i don't know how would you describe this crew because it's sort of like robert urich and michael roberts uh what are their names jason and jason princess karina roscoe the pirate is michael roberts roscoe um, yeah jason and yeah. roscoe they're kind My of like is angelica houston yeah. they're kind of like co captains um most people defer to jason in the movie but but it doesn't like they don't really pull rank on each other at any point they're kind of like partners yeah they try they they try to make this a plucky crew and then they try to make it a buddy comedy at times with Mm -hmm. jason and roscoe um but let's let's back up a little bit because there's some big reveals that we haven't talked about about this movie specifically with the director so Stuart Raffle is is famous, and then I should probably say infamous, as being the director of one of the worst robots versus dinosaur movies of all time, Tammy the T Rex. Wait, we what? Have to, we have to acknowledge this. Are you serious? I'm I'm like I'm I sifting back through my notes real quick because how do I not remember that? Oh my god! I mean, I'm no, I believe you. It's just how did yeah. How did I miss that? Okay. All right. So we have to just frame this movie as his. Okay. He did Tammy the T-Rex. This is he, much he later did, on. Yeah. To Tammy the T-Rex. He did it. He, that was him. This, this is, this is his same work. And he's also done one of the most tragic, awful sci-fi ET ripoffs, Mac and me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 That one I haven't seen. I've only seen oh, that clip God. that they play on Conan O'Brien all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it, and if anyone hasn't seen Mac and Me, it's a it's an ET movie, mm-hmm. um, and it's a similar story about aliens coming back uh, because of water being scarce on their planet or something. And and the the aliens they look disgusting. They they look like giant sea monkeys with big giant eyes and heads. And it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. The 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 lead actor is in a wheelchair. Uh, he's paraplegic, and and uh, it. 
they have them on chase scenes, which is unfortunate. And it's it's very, very, very difficult to watch, but hilarious at times. And it's also literally produced by McDonald's, right? It's literally produced by McDonald's. There's a song and dance number in McDonald's in Mm -hmm. the middle of the of the film. It doesn't make any sense, but but there was a huge tie in with McDonald's. Um, Stuart Raphael also did Mannequin 2 on the move. Oh, I love that one. Oh, God. Yeah. Which is which is a really, really, really horrible film. Yeah. and, uh, and then uh, the only film that I haven't seen yet of his, which was released if, like a year and a half before this movie, I guess, was called The Philadelphia Experiment. And that was originally a John Carpenter script. Um, it's about a, you know, a, a, a Navy vessel which gets you know, teleported in space and time. It's, it's based upon a kind of true accounts of, of, of like supernatural events. Mm-hmm. But John Carpenter wrote a script for it, but then he rewrote it and made a movie. Um, which which didn't do awful. Um, it found some a sci-fi audience, but I haven't seen it yet, so I can't I can't vouch for how well it is. The Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah, that's it's like a modern warship gets sent back to World War Two. Yeah, I think. So a yeah. couple things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. So okay, that this helps me. That helps me understand this movie a little more because. Because Tammy and the T-Rex is, is like quietly brilliant. It's, it's a, it's, it's a very, very dumb movie. It was, it was pieced together over the course of like eight days because they, they had this, um, giant animatronic prop that they only had access to for a very limited amount of time. So they were sort of writing the script around what they were, what was available for them to shoot, um, but the comedy actually works really, really well in that movie. In the Ice Pirates, when it leans into the comedy, I think it works pretty well, and I think the performances are good. But again, like, I, and I, I think I'm repeating the same beat every time. Every time it strays away from that, every time it tries to take itself seriously, I wish it wouldn't. Yeah, and and I mean the director uh, Raffel even was quoted saying, you know, it wasn't my concept, so he can't really vouch for what was going on. But they tried to inject everything they could to make it a make a joke, a funny thing, tell a story. They literally were writing it on the fly to put mm-hmm. as much things in there as possible. Um, but yeah, some, some of the it di- works, some of it doesn't work. Some of the dialogue feels improvised. Yeah, I don't know. I that's not like that might be apocryphal, but it, it has that feel when you're watching it of like. I don't think they actually wrote uh, anything for this scene. I think they just put the actors on set and they were like, yeah, here's the situation. There's a space herpy loose on the ship. <laughs> oh my God. We'll get into that space herpy. Oh, oh God. Jiminy. Uh, but touching so, a little bit more yeah. on, on the cast here, mm-hmm. um, how this is, this is a cast of unknown actors at the time. They all like much, most of them went on to make big, big productions and become very, very well known for their craft. Um, Robert Urich, um, if, if anyone might remember him, he was a big television actor. Uh, he did two shows, SWAT, and then later on Vegas. But he was brought on to the show uh, because he was under contract with MGM. That's why they brought him on. But the biggest thing he ever, you know, aside from those TV shows and many, many, many parts in other TV shows, you know, like small, small day player parts, he, he was also the voice of like National Geographic uh, so whenever that was on television, um, people would hear his voice. Um, Mary Crosby, uh, who plays the princess, mm-hmm. she her father is Bing Crosby. Okay. 
her family, her entire family is, is you know, big Hollywood family. Um, her niece is Denise Crosby from Star Trek Next Generation, who played Tasha Yar. So she, they have this like huge American, you know, uh, crooner and actor family um, that are well established um, in the entertainment uh, industry. But Michael Roberts, who 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 does a lot of good comedy timing, um, who plays Roscoe. He was big on the TV series Beretta. He was one of these characters named Rooster, so he was like kind of like this 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 uh, um, com- comedic uh, character in, in in Beretta. But he was also in the buddy comedy TV series the next year called Manimal. And I watched the trailer for that film. And if you haven't seen the trailer for Manimal, definitely look it up. It's about a man who turns into animals to help fight and solve crime. Uh, yeah, I saw that movie. It had Rob Schneider in it. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, with Rob Snyder. This is a TV series, and the, uh, the 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 intro to the movie. I've never heard so many like cougar uh, screams in my entire life, and in eagle caws. It's just it's just those two animals apparently that he can turn into. It's hilarious. Well, Jason, if you went to the premiere of Twilight, you would have heard a lot more cougar screams. But I'm. Uh, that's about the level of humor that you're going to get in the Ice Pirates, right. by the way. Right into Robots um, versus Dinosaurs for your hate <laughs> of this humor. Um, uh, Angelica Houston, um, we're going to talk quickly about how her father was the great John Houston. And mm. she, hadn't, she hadn't really um, got critical acclaim yet for this role. So she was still trying to break through into the industry. She had a couple small supporting roles with her father's work and stuff like that. Um, a year later, I believe it was... Uh, or maybe a year and a half later, she did a film called Prezi's Honor, and that's where she won her first Academy Award. So very shortly after doing this, she be, she finally got notoriety. And she does, I would say, she has all the best, you know, moments, and I wish she was the lead actor uh, in, the, in the female role of this film because it made a different movie, a much, much different movie. Yeah, I I like Angelica Houston in this though. She doesn't she doesn't talk much, but she um that's kind of her character. And I, I like she's this very like badass kind of quiet like assassin on the pirate crew. Um I liked her a lot. Uh there's another actor that I really want to talk about who's in this movie, John Matizak. Okay, uh, let's talk he, about John Matizak. <laughs> he plays Killjoy in this yes! film. Yes. What he's most well known for, though, is Sloth from the Goonies. Sloth from Goonies. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, and, you like, guys! I had no idea that this is Sloth from Goonies until I saw that, and when I was doing my research, I'm like, what? Of course, mm-hmm. he's wearing tons and tons of makeup. I but was. That- I looked it up while I was watching because I, I. My first thought was, is this ogre from Revenge of the Nerds? Mm-hmm. And I, so I looked him up, and I was like, oh no, close, but no. <laughs> Um, he apparently he was like an NFL uh, offensive lineman or something, and then defensive, he defensive, defensive lineman, and he won two Super Bowl rings. Yeah, and, yeah. And they decided, you know, what? after he won a second ring, I'm going to get into this acting thing. And I think he's good. <laughs> I think he's very good. He does a good job. Yeah. And all the actors. I mean, I'm going I'm to be honest. All the actors aren't poor. They're not you know glaringly bad. The actors are doing their best. Except and for Bruce Valanche. Ex- well, Bruce Valanche. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, what? Bruce Valanche, comedian Bruce Valanche, also singer, writer Bruce Valanche, most, most well-known for writing, like, the Grammys and the Emmys and being a daytime celebrity in mm-hmm. a spot on Hollywood Squares for four years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's best friends with the Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. And, 
and yeah, that's his that's his best friends, and they they would they would uh, on the Hollywood Squares together, you know, for four years. They would you know you know crack jokes, of course. Um, but one thing I found out, I did not know this Bruce Valanche trivia. He co-wrote the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, so we have him to blame then? Yes. Okay. We can blame Bruce Valanche. Well, um, Jason, do you want to talk about the robots in this movie? Um. So I, I, I'm going to talk about, well, let's talk about the robots. Okay. Uh, the robots have a predisposition for losing limbs and, uh-huh. and appendages. This is, this is a very, very common theme throughout the movie. This is probably the number one gag or joke is someone loses an appendage or limb and it happens countless times um you know Zeno, you know Bron perlman's character loses a hand you know the robots constantly lose legs and arms you know and people lose heads it's it's, mm-hmm. it's probably the number one joke if you if you just can't think of something funny ah he got his arm cut off oh or yeah that, literally cut. after Bron perlman gets his hand cut off somebody's like how's your stump and he's just like yeah <laughs> it's fine like i've had worse like he's it's very they're very casual about about it if you love losing your limbs this is the movie for you this is this is torture and then of course ron perlman randomly grows his hand back he, mm-hmm. he just like it's like he, he well for some reason they find the hand and then they bring it back to ron perlman's like oh thank you and then they meet up with the pirate the pirate bar uh and ron perlman says oh i got my hand still <laughs> and he has his hand with him and then and then like he, he goes to shake the guy's hand and it falls off of course because it's the fake the old hand but then his real hand comes and pops right out of the sleeve they do like a gag with him apparently he grew his hand back it it, it didn't work at all yeah yeah um, um some other cool cast notes though uh if we're looking at ian abercrombie I don't know who that is. He plays Jaime, the robot. Which which robot was that? Because I'm like, I couldn't, I really couldn't keep track of. Oh, I'm sorry, not not Jaime, the robot. He plays, he plays the the bad guy. Uh, the Supreme Commander. No, not the Supreme Commander in the in the uh, in the in the the table. You know that was sick. The other, the actual bad guy, the one that's uh... following him around. The isn't the guy that like tricks them into kidnapping the the princess so that she'll yes. lead them to okay yes that's Jaime oh I thought that was the supreme commander no the supreme commander is John Carradine he uh-huh. was the guy with really bad rheumatoid arthritis that was yeah. about to die Jason you watched this movie a lot more times than I did I need your help with the t- with the, like the timeline and the details yeah. it seems like the supreme character would be the bad guy that's following around but no okay. that's the character. Jaime. Okay. And Jaime is best known later on for being, oh wait. Yeah. Am I doing this right? Yeah. Seinfeld's boss, like Elaine, Elaine from Seinfeld's boss, Mr. Pitt. Oh, and, okay. Okay. And then he's also the voice of Emperor Palpatine, uh, Darth Sidious in the Clone Wars TV series and films. Okay. Wait, what about what about Jeremy West though? He was like he was one of the villains, right? Jimmy West, did he play? Zorn? Was he Zorn? Yeah, I have that in my notes that like this guy Zorn is is like he's the one man. I, 
Uh, he's the one. Is Zorn the bad guy? No. He's the one that. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not going to go back and watch this movie again. But, but maybe you're right. Maybe Zorn is the bad guy. But this. But, this, this. This. Maybe Jaime's a robot. Then maybe Jaime's one of the robots. Then anyway. Well, maybe I got that wrong. Here's, but okay. So this highlights one of the problems that I had with the movie. That that I I kind of like. I was charmed by the robots at first. I like the design of them. I like that it's clearly people in suits, uh, just doing robotic, jerky motions. And when they're fighting and like marching and stuff, it's like it all kind of works. Especially if it's uh, if if this is just a comedy, but. They they did so much of like, oh, we stole this robot and reprogrammed it, but then it was re-reprogrammed by the Templars, and then we stole it back and re-re-reprogrammed it, that I really couldn't attach myself to any like particular robot. There was that one that kept getting its head cut off, and... Uh, like Michael D. Roberts cared about it a lot, but I, I didn't even really get like a name. I think it might have been TX forty. I was and I was trying. I was trying to to keep track of the yeah, robots they, that I liked. There's, and there's, it was just very hard to to really a keep track of robots. Of there's one that is like a butler robot that follows around the princess. That's RO three ten I the garbage robot. That one, I that one I can tell you for sure. That's no, not the garbage robot. The, one of the the walking robots. One of the android type robots. Um, oh, now I'm completely lost. <laughs> oh my god! There's they have they all have specific names too, and and they they just randomly throw out their names, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so hard to follow what what robot is is who. Yeah, the, and, and the IMDb Percy, credits aren't Percy, aren't really it. helping me either. Percy's the robot that's wearing, for some reason, a chef's hat and bow tie. That's Percy, the robot, the one that gives a very good massage to the princess. Gotcha. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take your word on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these robots have character, uh-huh. and from the beginning of the movie, they're just, you just, know, just battling each other for some reason, and just they're they're uh, they're 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 inept, very very inept at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're kind of cheeky, if that's the right word. They're, they're cheeky robots. A little bit. They, yeah, they're they're kind of like they. At first, I thought the difference was like these rebels have their robots that they you know have scrapped together or whatever, and the Templars have much more advanced robots. But then we see the the Templar robots being just as big of bumbling fools as the rebels robots. So they're, the movie like tries to establish some sort of distinction between them, and then. Kind of gives that up. Yeah, and then and then the characters, the cast, you know, um, Roscoe makes comment about the Templar robots being more expensive mm-hmm. than their robots, and then, oh, I've got to get me some of those robots, and how they're trying to save up to buy more robots, and how they have to get into the robot industry, and because that's where all the money is. It's not in water. It's not in smuggling and s- stealing ice. It's in robots, especially bad robots, like really 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 dumb robots and yeah because that's roscoe's dream right is, and is yeah. we have to say these that's are like plan. these don't look like robots often like the, the the walking robots talking robots they look like like uh bad guys in mighty Morphin power rangers they're uh-huh. they're not good robots you, know, you have the traditional like type robot bot crawling on the floor and stuff like that and some of them are more believable than the others um, there's one robot, of course, that we encounter later on called the Pimp Bot. And 
this is yes. This is if if uh, listeners, if you haven't seen the movie, like I really want you to be prepared for the fact that there is they drop a couple of n bombs. Um, I don't think this robot does, but this robot is has a lot of problems too. Yes. So there's a very they try to escape from uh, I guess a um, a, a ball that that they were at. So they can fly, fly, flee off planet to a, a pirate moon. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a chase sequence that happens. Um, but to get away, they encounter a, a pimp robot who is very characteristically the 1970s pimp um, uh, trying to sell girls to them. Uh, and, 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 it's, it, and it's if you've ever seen Robin Williams do Yes, if you've ever seen Robin Williams do stand-up, it's it's that voice that he does, uh, which is oh also I, I love Robin Williams, but it is a problematic thing. Uh, the actor that does the voice is uh, his name Ron Taylor, and he was like the original, um, you know, one of the original Audrey Twos from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay. And he's best known for being the voice of Bleeding Gums Murphy on The Simpsons. Simpsons. Okay. Cool. I, you know, my problems are, again, they're not, my problems are not with this, this actor. It's um, not with the actor. It's, it's with the with script. The, the script, the concept of having a pimp bot, let alone writing for it and making it, it's, it's really offensive. Yeah. He, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna repeat all of this, but he says like, he, when he greets them, he's, he's like, Hey Jack, Hey blood, y'all want to, now I put, had to turn on the subtitles. Y'all want to pump some kitties, finest kitties on Mithra. I, and and you could probably guess why what I thought I heard and why I had to turn on the uh, subtitles. And it's I, not I, yeah. like the subtitles really clarified what does that mean. Jason, what does y'all want to pump some kitties mean? I, I'm, I'm going to leave that up to our viewers. They can or listeners. They can definitely you know write in with that comment there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's wild. Um, there's uh, man. We have our trash bot. Let's talk about our trash bot. There's the trash bot. There's also there's also um, this. I think you described the chase scene when they're on that uh, bar planet, um, Mithra, when uh, uh, they're 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 like on these motorcycles and they're driving through the town, and there are these. There's this robot unit called R twenty one, and there are three of them, <laughs> and they are clearly like a family of robots. And we've established that these robots have some sort of sentience. <laughs> and this is absolutely <laughs> wild. Motorcycle crashes into one of them and then another one. And then the final like remaining surviving robot goes, baby, mama, baby. And then it gets run over and killed. It's it's actually way more disturbing. Like, it's funny, but it's also way more disturbing than I'm describing it. Why would you? Why would you destroy the mother and baby robot? I. It's so unnecessary. It does it like it, and it just makes everybody look bad because it's like our good guys are crashing into them as they're as they're in this chase. So nobody uh, comes out of this looking good. Oh no! I had to stop the movie because I was just belly aching so much because it's like what? What? Wait! What? Why? Yeah, why, are I, we, why are we doing this? I rewound that scene like three or four times because I could not believe it. And I, <laughs> I was laughing. I was laughing so much. And then the second time I was like, I shouldn't. I don't know if I should be laughing at 
this. These are <laughs> these are sentient beings with feelings and emotions and there's and like rules. You don't hurt children, but they've hurt made children a family. Robots are okay. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, the robots are bad. So we have the trash robot. We, okay, the trash robot. I'm not sure if there was supposed to be a joke a joke in there that they cut, but it has a very disturbing tongue that. And uh-huh. googly eyes and googly eyes and it, and it like kind of moves back and forth and whenever you feed it trash it kind of licks its mouth back and forth jesus christ um, but it, it <laughs> creepily follows around uh sloth's character the guy uh um killjoy killjoy it creepily follows him around all the time and for some reason everyone's always eating every scene uh oh, yeah, they're just you're right always eating like apples specifically and they're always th- eating an apple throwing an apple around I, I guess maybe that was what they had in 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 craft services every day and so they uh, had an abundance of apples so the director said yeah just just eat some apples and like, for some reason everyone's always eating apples and throwing out trash um yeah and yeah yeah. The other thing that was very was very starking if you watch the movie right from the beginning is the the costume design. It's it's they they for some reason they heard and saw that they're supposed to be pirates mm-hmm. and that they're supposed to be knights and Templar knights and they thought oh yeah medieval yeah that works so yeah. all of the bad guy the Templars are wearing chainmail mm-hmm. and and they look like they've walked off uh, walked out of like. Um, a set of Camelot or something like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's it, the moment you see it, you're like, wait, that's, that's odd. Odd is a word for it. Sure. And um, then at the same time, if you look at some of the other characters, uh, like the princess's um, head uh, lady, I guess, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's her aunt or her mother or something like that, her servant or whatever. She's wearing like, for some reason, a Victorian uh, um, maid's outfit. Like she was something off of Bridgerton. She sure is. While we're talking about costumes, why don't we talk about um, when they get captured by the Templars and they set, they get sent through the uh, factory oh. line castration machine. <laughs> and then they're and this is oof, this is problematic. They, they get sold into slavery <laughs> yeah, and so they make learned- up they make up uh, Robert Urich's character to look like a fucking Oompa Loompa. Yeah, it's, it's Oompa Loompa, you know, in a white unitard with with gray, white hair and painted mustache and beards. They they turned them into like like thing one and two, except very, very albino. It's really yeah. disturbing. And it's I, it. I the, the world tries to justify this, saying that they're slaves. Uh, they're slaves in the galaxy and the, the rich will this is this. This is very much a, uh, I don't know if this is like a, you know, uh, F the rich type movie, if that's their, their goal. But there is it, times it where wants like to fight be the sometimes. power. It wants they, they, to be, but it's at it's, one point yeah, they even scream fight the power. Um, but but they, they justify that there's these slaves that they have that they need. Um, and they'll be controlled because you can do everything to someone if they want water. But the, the way that they be, turn them into slaves, they put them through this machine, uh, a castration machine. Mm-hmm. And the sequence of events in the castration machine are confusing. Yep. If you miss the dialogue prior where they're talking about the castration machine, if you miss the fact that they were showing slaves in the scene before piloting the enemy ship, 
then you would be very, very, very confused. Yeah, listeners, you've probably seen a GIF of this. Like, it's a very common, like, popular GIF because it's so wild out of context. You've probably seen it in a lot. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Um, But yeah, it's that, like, chomping metal jaw, uh, and he's, like, coming towards it with wide bug eyes. Um, Jason... They, they they allegedly castrate these people, and then when they're presenting them to the rich people to sell them, they put them in leotards, which immediately you could tell whether or not they're castrated. Why would they dress them this way? <laughs> they, they leave nothing to hide. That leave, they leave absolutely nothing to hide. Uh, it, it, there's nothing sci-fi or space about it. Uh, the 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 castration machine, just describing it to people that, that aren't going to look at that gift, it's a conveyor belt. And it's just people fully conscious and aware. There's no reason why they can't just get up and walk away. They're they're being led down this conveyor belt to the factory. And then these these there's a very, very, very bad gay joke at one point of a person who tries to shave uh, one of them, uh, shave all the hair off their body. And then there's an old man with a razor that's going to shave those all with very, very shaky hands. And mm-hmm. then there's these these two women who are have a, a, a drill and they're just moving the drill over them, like, pretending, I guess that they're doing something to them Mm -hmm. and then by the time they get to the end by the time they get to the end of the castration belt machine you see what the castration device is and no joke no joke it looks like the mouth of jaws from uh from james bond Bond. Mm -hmm. It it looks like that and and it just opens up and closes its mouth and they they scream like they're going to get castrated but apparently they they don't they just they just go underneath the machine and there we see the princess she's just waiting waiting there saying pretend you were castrated pretend that you were that, that everything is is brought everything is wrong or something yeah, pretend it's, you it's, were castrated but put on this tight leotard that outlines uh literally every part of your anatomy which anybody who's looking could tell that you weren't castrated yeah, and the, the the question that I have from this point on is that they're they're immediately sold to the princess, mm-hmm. okay? Because she needs their help in finding her father, who is on this uh, this planet abundant with water, and uh, they're immediately sold to the princess. And they could just go right there; they could just leave and go right, but but they to the uh, to the. Uh, a pirate moon. They could just go right there. They, everyone knows about the pirate moon, mm-hmm. but they don't. They go back to this home world where they have uh, a social gathering, a party with, of course, song and dance. There's a mm-hmm. lot of really, really fun 80s dancers and masks going on. Mm-hmm. And they have to put on this whole entire ruse of being slaves for some reason. They have to, I guess, show them in the slave outfits. Yeah, I, I, this is, again, I think that this is when it's straying away from comedy and it's trying and it, like, it's trying to tread where it doesn't belong in social commentary. Um, I, I try not to swear too much on this podcast. I don't, I don't censor anything, but, uh, this, this episode's going to get me banned and taken down from that (laughs) podcast anyway. Um, like the fact that, I mean, I literally wrote down that he looks like a fucking Oompa Loompa because I don't think that's entirely off the mark. The Oompa Loompas, this is not the the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory podcast, but the Oompa Loompas are sort of a a commentary on slavery. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of unethical working conditions that they're under, and it's questionable how Willy Wonka got them in the first place. So I don't think it's entirely off-brand or off-theme that these quote-unquote slaves look like Oompa Loompas, but there's an extremely huge problem with one of them, uh, one of the buyers saying something about how the black slaves uh, fair are a lot more popular, I think they say, or the yeah. are, yeah, um, they have, yeah. Uh, and then the woman says, oh, well, well she, he will go great with the new wallpaper. Oh, my God. That's uh, what it, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> bad. It is bad. Yeah. Uh, and you said, uh, you you know, you were confused as to why they don't just skip straight to um, basically to the end of the movie when they <laughs> when they easily could. Jason, you, you play Dungeons and Dragons. This movie seems like it was written by a disorganized DM that was like, uh, yeah, y'all reached the end, boss, but we have like two more sessions left. I gotta, so I gotta invent some sort of side quest to send go you back. on. We gotta hey, go wanna, find uh, Obi Wan in the desert real quick. I want to go back to the slave moment, which really confused me. So for some reason, the slaves all everyone loves watching. I guess roller derby. Uh, there's on, on uh, the screens. I this, wrote like, down. Is sport. it literally Rollerball? The movie Rollerball. Is that literally <laughs> what they're watching? I don't know. Did that did that come out prior? I, I couldn't let stop. Me, it let me check real so quick. Fast. I couldn't see it, but but the slaves are watching. Yeah, Rollerball roller was 1975. I think okay. they're literally watching Rollerball. The slaves and the pirates they like watching Rollerball, mm-hmm. and, roll, and 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 there's a, a line actually later on where Killjoy was watching Rollerball and he says, "I can never do that," and I and I think it's like <laughs> I could never be in a contact sport like that. You know, he was actually in real life a football player who won two Super Bowl rings. Yeah, it's kind of tongue in cheek humor that they threw it in there. But the slave, there's one scene prior before they get kidnapped where the slave is watching Rollerball, the robot comes over to the slave watching ro- rollerball and the question that i have is what was that robot doing at that time it seems to be convulsing and either masturbating or just getting very very super excited at the rollerball uh, yeah I, I, yeah i feel like it was i feel like there are performers in these robot costumes that are like that have varying levels of experience with mask work. And like, uh, I think that some of them are very good at doing like big gestures and big like expressive motions and stuff. And some of them are probably like the sound guy that was available that day. And they were like, um, put on this suit real quick and go do this thing. Is the joke he's supposed to be a jacking off robot? That's what I need to know. I don't understand why he would be doing that to rollerball, but it doesn't make any sense i'm not going to argue with your theory on that and i i want to discuss that less <laughs> <laughs> so that's what uh, it is I'll, I'll accept your theory uh, on man. that but we have to from that point from the slaves points we we also learned that uh they don't castrate clergy uh apparently right. the fear of god means that they the monks get to keep their their testes and so killjoy Tur- per- disguises himself as clergy, as a monk, and he gets out of it. And we see him later on the next scene hiding as a robot. Uh, and uh, he joins the group after they when they escape at that point. So now mm-hmm. we have Killjoy. We have Sloth from Goonies in the group with us now. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're like in a jail together. He like stole some gold bracelet from someone. He kind of like tricks. Uh, Michael Roberts, he like trades it to him for some water, I think. And then 
Later, Michael Roberts trades that to the gives it to the princess. I don't know. It's they they go get Obi Wan. Right? Is this what is this is this one of the actors that we were talking about earlier that we weren't sure if they were the villain? Uh, or I, I not? don't know. I have no idea. I don't think so. I, you know who I'm talking I, about when I say Obi Wan in the desert, though, right? Like yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they go out into the desert because there's no water and they have to shoot you know and now the movie it, turns it, into Mad this, Max Fury Fury Road. Okay? Yeah, it it's this planet called Sweetwater. Sweetwater popul- They have a sign: City of the Future, Population One. Trespasser <laughs> trespassers will be violated. I don't like uh, that. Um, the <laughs> there are just straight up donkeys, ducks, and pigs on this on this planet. Oh, this is yeah. where the space prairie dogs are. That's right. There's space prairie dogs. They open they open the scene and end the scene with space prairie dogs, um, and it the, for some reason there because of some time dilation, which is a real possible thing when you're traveling through space. You know, if you go close to you know the speed of of light, you know you, your time slows down relative to everything else. Um, there's time is a little wonky, and mm-hmm. so for this actor for this character. He, uh, wait, what's his name? Nibsy? I don't know. I thought I wrote it down, but I only wrote Obi-Wan. Yeah, they have to go find Nibsy. I think that's his name, which is an awesome name. Uh, and, uh, they, uh, they, they meet him out in the desert. Lanky Uh, Nibs. Lanky Lanky Nibs. Nibs, Rob played by Robert Simons. Yeah. But, oh, but we, uh we have to talk about they the the scene on the uh in the pirate uh, the scene in, in the the pirate moon though the bar with the bar uh, planet where the bar planet yeah. yeah this is where the end bomb gets dropped and the less the less said about that the better we just need to know that there's there's a bad 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 joke where they drop the end bomb and it's really really outdated so anyone watching the movie prepare yourself for it because it's awful and it has no place in the movie and i it, they, yeah, the director should I will, be, should I will, never make a film again for putting that in there. I can, I can, I, like, I can see the logic of like, oh, well, we're you know we're showing that this guy's a bad guy and that's why he says it. But it's I, I'm not I'm not going to justify the movie doing it. It's it's no, unjustifiable. It's not, <laughs> it's not funny. But the 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 moon, the pirate moon, uh, there is featherless parrots on there. Um, mm-hmm. There is apparently no. There's the aliens that that have nose worms. Uh-huh. Bug eyed aliens with nose worms. Um, this is the scene then, where Angelica Houston shines, though. This is the scene where I was like, I'm I'm all in on Angelica Houston in this movie. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Angelica Houston really does a good job here. She whips out a sword, and and again, more limbs fall off, and mm-hmm. then, and and then someone gets decapitated, and. Um, but then there's also there's like a, a he she moment where there is an alien what they can't determine whether it's male or female and and uh, Jason sends the princess over to go you know hit on them. You're talking about the frog lady. A frog lady. It doesn't okay. realize that the, the frog lady was not a man; it was a woman, and so the frog lady is more endeared to Jason. So now they have to they have to you know kind of placate her emotions to get to the next planet to see the Obi Wan character. So it's 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 a lot of bad bad jokes um, involving you know uh, gender that they they put on that planet there. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, um, but we prior to them you know arriving at the planet as well, we get our our first. 
you know, first view of of the the infamous space herpy. Jesus. Yeah. So there's a there's a uh, there is a uh, for some reason a box gets transported with them from the 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 pla- the party planet onto their ship and the ship the box contains uh, a rock and we see the rock for the first time when they open up I guess the closet and it falls out uh, yep. the, the rock the rock hatches and a gooey very very gooey. Uh, creature like the worm creature with a face with a, mm-hmm. with a fucking face cut pops out of it and it and we we learn later on that after it attacks um roscoe, roscoe like, it lat- it like latches onto his shoulder his back while he's sleeping yep. uh it, that the creature is called a space herpy and mm-hmm. keep it away from heat and moisture because that's why you know that's why you know it'll get out uh, it'll hatch, and so now we there's a space herpy running around the ship. And no, I just want to say it's, it's not it's not space herpes because yep. there's only one herpy. Mm-hmm. So the space the, the ship doesn't have space herpes. The the ship has a space herpy. Yep. Yeah, that's about all I want to say about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're you are right. But there okay, is a wait, space can, herpy. Let's just bring it full closure right now. Yeah. Um, the robot, uh, this, the servant robot, uh, Percy, is the one that catches the space herpy at the end by stomping on it during the whole entire time warp sequence. Oh my thing. God, you're right. You're right. So yeah. there is a good ending to the space herpy. Um, uh, the, the other, the other jar- jarring moment is when they're served a delicious, what looks like a Thanksgiving turkey that, mm-hmm. that, that Rod Perlman had cooked. Apparently he's a, he's a world-class chef. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they got a turkey on board, but they did. And then the space herpy pops out of the turkey and runs away. It's very, very disturbing. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder where they got the, the idea for this creature design. It's just, I'm racking my brain trying to figure out what, what other sci-fi what influences could sci-fi have, influence. could this movie be taking mm. from? Hmm. Mm. Um, so what other, what other alien-type movie would this be taking its influence from? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Um, yeah. I will say when they are going through like that time warp thing, that's uh, that's a sequence of the movie <clears throat> that I kind of like when they're like they're battling and uh, like there is uh, they're talking about how like they're accelerating at a multiple of 48. And uh, Zeno says that's a day gone by every half an hour. And they visualize that. With everybody's like, as they're fighting, they're getting older and slower. They're growing really long beards. Uh, Jason and the princess had had a, a intimate scene earlier, and now that they're going through this time warp. <laughs> at some point, she gets. They come and like get him as he's fighting, and they're like, "The princess is pregnant," and he's like, "What?" And then like a few minutes later, she had the baby. Come see it. And this is awful. He's like, "No, I'm busy." Um, <laughs> Then later, his son is all grown up and comes and basically is the one that rescues all of them because they're old. Um, looks just like him. Looks exactly looks, like him. Yeah. Same actor. Same actor. I will say, though, I like the concept of this. I like the comedy of it. And the fact that they like have these they're, they're in these doing these outfit changes to show that they're older. Um, yeah, it's, this it's is a very, charming bit in the movie. It's very screwball comedy. You know, yeah. zany screwball comedy. I like that. If the movie was entirely 
that and done right, it could have worked. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It tries to be serious, and and it, it I don't know. It just it it works. Um, have we talked you, about the poster? Do you want to talk about? Do you want to describe the poster? <laughs> yeah, let's get into the poster. Yeah, go for it. Because uh, I think the post the poster helps keep track of things that we've talked about and haven't talked about. So you check things off the poster. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to link to this poster. I mean, obviously this this is the poster we're going to use for our Instagram post. But uh, uh, and Jason, actually, if you want to decide which which of these characters you want to be. Uh, you can give the listeners a little teaser for that. But uh, it says the Ice Pirates. You have to be there to see it, which that's a pretty accurate statement about this movie. Um, yep. See a totally spaced adventure. See a universe on the rocks. See great special affects. Not a FX, special affects. <laughs> uh, see action-packed action. See the evil emperor and his bird. See ferocious space possums. And of course, see Space Herbie. Space Herbie, the love bug. This is where they're the trying to love be clever. Bug. Uh, the bad, the bad joke in there about the Space Herbie is, you know, uh, Jason says to the princess, he says, he says, you know, I hear it's actually not that big of a deal. And she's then she says, well, that's not what I heard. You know, referring to someone who has Space Herpes. Yikes. Uh, yes. um, the poster, it's literally like an ice tray, like you put in your freezer. Yeah. Uh, dumping blocks of ice, and it says a universe on the rocks. Yay, clever! Um, There's no ice trays. There's no flying ice trays in this movie. <laughs> it's it's, it's just huge disappointment. Missing, huge disappointment. Coming to the movie looking for ice trays, you're not going to find them. But the the uh, if we talk about set design, where where they are keeping the ice mm-hmm. uh, on the ship, it's the warmest room in the world. It's like a factory with steam and stuff like that like how Mm -hmm. is this ice this is not a refrigerator room later on they do have that room showing ice all over it when they Mm -hmm. when they do the time warp sequence they go into the room and it's like ice everywhere they finally get some scenic design but maybe they just didn't have it at that time maybe 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 or maybe they didn't think they didn't put as much thought into it as you did (laughs) maybe they lost money to design the room but they show the ice in the room with like a matte painting or something i don't know yeah yeah it's <laughs> oh god oh there's an um, oh, there's a there's another i mean we have to preface again we didn't write this movie there's another bad racial joke that they do with robots later on they designed buford uh who is the rebuilt robot um and and uh roscoe makes makes him black and and Jason again says this awful joke. Like, why did you why did you make it black? Well, and then and then uh, Roscoe says, well, because I want him to be the best. I want him to be perfect. It's like what? It's just another awful, awful, awful racist joke that they have in this movie. Yeah, I'll give it to Roscoe that like that maybe gives him a little bit of uh, a little bit more agency. I don't know if that's even appropriate to say. <laughs> Uh, let's, you know what, let's, let's talk about the evil emperor and his bird. That's one of the things that this movie poster promises us. So, um, (laughs) so this evil emperor, uh, who I don't, I don't even remember him being all that evil. I remember him having like a harem of women. They come, they come. Oh, I think this is who they trade the gold bracelet to because he knows, he knows something. I think he knows the location of Sweetwater or, no, Bruce Bruce Valanche's character 
uh, he is Wendon. Um, Wendon, no, they think that Wendon has her father. Okay. And they go to her father, they go to the planet, you know, where, where they're told uh, possibly her father is, and they get captured by um, kind of like these Amazon women riding unicorns. Yep. Um, and the as unicorns are, as you do, the unicorns very much fight them and stab them. Um, they're, they're vicious. And they get captured, brought to uh, Wendin, uh, who is this kind of Jabba the Hutt type character with these Amazon women that he controls for some reason with his voice. He, ha- he says a few words and they kind of change the timber of his voice and you can order them to do things. But he attributes it because people will do anything for water. And uh, eventually Roscoe shows up and the- saves the day. But the question is... It rescues them from Wendon. The question is, what does Roscoe do? Because he swings in very, very, you know, trope of swashbuckling films. He swings in and knocks into Wendon, but Wendon's head falls off. Or mm-hmm. does Roscoe cut his head off? Or does Roscoe hit him and his head falls off? It's really bad special effects. The head falls off. I couldn't tell what was actually going on. But from that point on, Wendon's head, which is still alive and removed from his body, uh, continues on with the rest of the scene. So two things. I, one, I, I got the, from the impression of the way that he was controlling his, his, his fighters that it was sort of like a Lando, like Lando Calrissian Lobot situation where they're kind of <laughs> like, they're, they, they're like maybe they have like a cyborg chip that controls them or maybe they're fembots entirely and they're just robots that look like women. Um, the other thing is with, with Wendon is his name. Uh, the impression I got was that it was like a Futurama thing where his head is already like the only organic part of him and the rest of his body is is like a Krang situation um, that he's able to attach his head to this robotic body. Uh, so when they knocked it off, it was just like that's that's entirely who Wendon is. And later they have to find another body to put him on. Well, Wendon finds his own body. He finds one of the robots that had been decapitated because there's just, you know, you know, decapitated robots everywhere because yeah. that's the joke. And he finds the robot and puts his head on it. And now he has a robot body. Uh, the, uh, but but you're, just, you're telling me originally he was in an organic body and they cut it off. And I don't know. I know okay. he eats and drinks. <laughs> I know he was eating and drinking at the beginning of the scene. That's all I could see that, you know, he was yeah. eating and drinking. And then, but he makes jokes after that, you know, talking about, you know, uh, his member down below and stuff like that, where he just have, he just, you know, he's inadequate down below and all this. Stuff. It's, it's just bad. Uh, Cause he has no, no anything else. Uh, it's, I, I wish th- I wish there was like an audio equivalent of shaking my head because that's all I've been doing. <laughs> this discussion. Just shaking my head in shame. Uh, um, OK, so so what ha- what what haven't we covered in this movie? Did we did we get to the surprise big spoiler ending? Uh, do you want to do you want to describe um, that this planet uh, that they've been looking for, that everyone's fighting over the seventh planet, the mystical Seventh world uh, that that this war is being fought over. Um, there's there's a very big reveal at the end uh, when they when they finally encounter this planet. Jason, yeah, you want to describe it's, that for it's the not pros? a big reveal, but but yeah, to get to this this planet where her po- supposedly her father is, 
uh, she, they have to go through a, a time warp scenario. They have to follow these exact coordinates. Otherwise, they'll hit this time warp and time will get wonky and they may never return. They'll be frozen in time forever. I think that's the words that they use. So they go through the time warp following the coordinates. The bad guys behind them don't follow the coordinates, so they end up dying. Um, but they get to the planet and the big reveal is that the planet they see on the screen is Earth. What? What? And they all revert back to their original ages, and um, they're all <laughs> celebratory. You think the leads, the uh, Jason and the princess, would kiss, but no, they don't. Um, R- Ron Perlman's character and Angelica Houston's character—they're the ones that kiss. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and- I mean, I, you know, I don't blame the princess for not kissing uh, Jason in this moment because he proved himself to be a deadbeat dad. Yeah, well, also he had space herpes, so you do not want to be <laughs> getting involved with that after the fact. Um, and then and then there's a freeze frame moment, and then we have a wonderful movie montage clip ending, uh, which mm-hmm. we've seen before in other 80s movies. Um, there was an original ending that was cut for this film where they actually fly down to the planet and fly over one of the beaches. It might have, like might have been uh, um, uh, a beach like Laguna Beach or something in LA, something like that, some type of beach in, in California. And the the right, the uh, director said that he, the producer, the one that had punched the other guy from uh, Paul Newman, from saying something about Paul Newman's wife, uh, had cut it without telling the director. And, uh, and so there was actually an original ending where they fly down over the beach and that was supposed to be the end of the film. Oh, I have questions about that. It, it, when you say like Laguna Beach is I, like, was it modern times or was it like the sort of um, Battlestar Galactica thing? Where sorry, I'm spoiling the ending of Battlestar Galactica for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> but like, it's it's they it's like prehistoric Earth, and then eventually uh, this uh, society, or or is it like a time travel thing? Let me read the quote here. It says, at the end of the film, they were meant to arrive at Earth and they fly over the beaches of Malibu with everyone swimming in the water and the studio head cut that out. He never told me it was gone. I had to drink vodka to calm myself down. <laughs> That's what he says. So this movie ends with these space pirates coming to our <laughs> planet and interacting with modern society on Earth. Going to Malibu. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he and yeah i you know what i that doesn't sound like a better ending what do you think which ending would you prefer you know i kind of like the freeze frame ending i don't i don't Mm -hmm. think you need much more than that just they found the planet oh look it's it's earth it's kind of like that planet of the apes ending yeah you know know, where they it was earth all along it was was earth all along damn you damn Damn you. you Um, oh, okay. it, it, it works in my opinion better as a freeze frame right there. Uh-huh. Uh, but we didn't talk about the 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 love scene that they have. Jadis and, and the princess. They oh, yeah. they uh they have some bad, bad, bad flirting at one point. Jason comes in to check on her and and brings her this this, I guess, uh program uh to for her to check out. And uh it turns out it's a uh to an environmental chamber program um, for for what they call Passion Storm. Mm-hmm. And they proceed to have a love sequence uh, in, in this environmental chamber. 
mm-hmm. uh, the, the the entire galaxy is, is void of water. It's, it's there's no water in the entire galaxy. So the most romantic thing they can do is to go make love in a storm in in like a like in the shower basically. And and there's bad euphemisms throughout the entire the entire bit while they're making love so it's like should i take my saber off oh no let me oh it feels so stiff oh the belt i mean the belt the belt it's bad bad euphemisms in the love sequence there yeah i'm and i'm looking at this poster again and you'd be forgiven for thinking that this is burt reynolds in this movie. <laughs> um but yeah robert urich uh i mean he does look good shirtless and this movie um just takes great pains to get a, get his shirt off multiple times. Yeah, he the entire end of the movie is just filled with strobe lights and Robert Urich shirtless. It's it's that type of movie. Yeah. Uh is there is the is there anything else that we might have forgotten cuz we definitely jumped around a lot. Um I di- I didn't take a whole lot of notes, but we've covered all of my notes. Uh so is there we, anything that we left out? Well, I mean the the first sequence that we see an alien in the movie. We have to talk about that. They 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 burst into this, you know, this this the ship trying to steal the ice, and they go in through this door, and there's an alien on the toilet. Um, the, the first <gasps> oh encounter with an alien is this really grotesque looking, hideous alien. Kind of looks like the aliens from Mac and Me on the toilet. They have really skinny legs, and and they they walk. It's it's just going to the bathroom, and it's all confused and scared. And they walk by the alien, and they say, "You take care of it." No, no, you take care of it. You take care of it. You take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. And finally, the last guy there bunks the alien on the head um, and knocks him out. Uh, and later on, the alien comes back, and we see him with this huge, huge, huge bump on his head—a very comical bump. But we have pooping aliens uh, at the beginning of the movie. We do. I'm trying to find the text message that I sent you when I saw this because I was—I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And like I said, at the the opening crawl—not crawl—the opening text and like the robots, the the people in the Mighty Morphin robot suits, basically. Yeah. I was charmed. And then when this happened, it's kind of when the movie started to, I I started to churn on the movie a little bit. Um, Man, when did we, when did you send this to me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, What other movie, Jason? Yeah. I was like five minutes in. I'm like, uh, Jason, this movie kind of rules. What other movie is going to show me a perping bird goblin alien? (laughs) And uh, they, yeah, it's like they show... They show it, and then there's like a a bunch of fart sound effects. Yep, and yep. it's and then, and then the other thing we have to talk about before we meet, you know, uh, the princess and and the uh, her her maid uh, who looks like like space Miss Garrett. You know, it's like <laughs> we have we have to talk about the princesses. They encounter the princess after the pooping alien in a cryostasis chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, she the only one in the galaxy that that travels via cryostasis chamber. Um, it, it's, it's very, very, you know, uh, it's a clear tube chamber with some, some smoke in it, some like mist in it. And Jason, of course, you know, proceeds to open the chamber, um, struck by her beauty of he, he's a super creeper, 
pulls down her dress to try to look down her blouse. It's it's very, very awful. And then he says a line after that, you know, because Roscoe pulls him away and says, hey, man, come on, let's go. Not again. Imply that he's done this before. And then he says, whatever happened to what happened to we rape, we pillage. It's really awful. Oh, yikes. Yeah, Jason is that. problematic. And I, I I feel bad having the same namesake as him. Like This is bad. <laughs> You're being a bad name to Jason's everywhere. Yeah, I, I, this is like, I think why I started describing at some point through the movie that like Jason might be quote unquote the captain, but it, but Michael, like Michael Rob Roscoe doesn't seem outranked by Jason. Um, and I liked Roscoe. I never stopped liking Roscoe, but Jason, yeah, it's that it's, it's, uh, it's the it's the deadbeat dad thing when he just like is, is not interested in seeing his kid that was just born. Like there's in a lot. What, yeah, he's not in a good what hero. world. In what world is Jason endearing? Like in what world is Jason what people aspire to be as a hero? It's like it's bad. It is really awful. You know who did uh, it better is uh, Jack Sparrow. Like this is this is an attempt to make like a Jack Sparrow kind of roguish uh, pirate character. But it, it's too much. It's yeah. It's, it, well, it's it's like Han Solo with with more of the you know pirate stuff. And yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But we had we had to talk about you know that Jason is just an awful human being. Yep. No arguments here. <laughs> oh, uh, we didn't talk about the uh, the the robot automat, the food replicator that they have. So they have a mm-hmm. food replicator as well, where it spits out. Uh, what looks like you know fr- country, country, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, yep. but very quickly they they change the dialogue. No, no, no! It's a lizard's leg, and they start tossing around chicken around the uh, the room as they're doing the scene. Again, this is all part of the concept that every scene they must be eating, whether it's a, a lizard's leg, an apple, uh, whether they're drinking something. There's there's always food involved, and there's often spit takes. Yeah, that's so weird. I wonder why. I wonder why that was so why that wanted why they wanted that to be a running theme. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, when I watched uh Tammy and the T-Rex, that was one of the things I noticed is there's a scene where like the bad guy uh scientists order a pizza and I and I was like n- remarked that um like it was remarkable to me that they actually are eating the pizza cuz usually you don't I don't know, you don't see uh, you see actors doing like the actor eating, but like these, these guys were just like wolfing down this pizza. Um, so maybe it's just a thing Stuart Raffle likes to have in his movies. I'm curious if Mac and me or the Philadelphia experiment also have a lot of eating scenes. There are a lot of eating scenes. Yep. A it's a big thing with, you know, Brad Pitt. It kind of has a thing with this where like almost every movie he's in, uh, they the show last him thing eating. I'm- when I'm performing, the last thing I want to do is actually have food in my hand, in my mouth. It, yeah. It's, it's, it takes me out of the scene. It's, and, it's, and it's hard to maintain continuity with stuff like that. It's, oh, very hard, especially if you're working props because you have to keep refilling glasses. You have to keep bringing, bringing more apples. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's really tough. How many apples are you going to eat? How many steaks are you going to do for that? Like, mm-hmm. it's really, really, really tough. Yep. Uh, Jason, at any point, uh, you just let me know <laughs> when you're ready for lose big three questions. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get this over with. All right, Ryan, uh, uh, bring us home. It's time for lose big three. So here's the music cue. 
do 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 lose big three with you and me we're gonna have fun with fucking lose big three <laughs> all right awesome thank you ryan um lose big three number one i just wrote down why jason why just why in general just uh why this movie why are we here on this earth uh sure. why yeah why why uh movies like okay I, I said this to rochelle uh my my girlfriend um while i was watching this movie i i wanted to watch this movie again i want to watch it a second time and and i get just as much enjoyment out of watching a bad movie as i do a really good movie that should be celebrated and the reason why is that you why is that <laughs> you can see that when things work and when things don't work you can see and celebrate good cinema and and appreciate all the hard work that people put into films this movie and again someone someone greenlit it someone approved it someone made it and brought to brought it to the screen Mm -hmm. and the question why i had that same question uh and that's what i'm just going to leave it there (laughs) so the answer is why not i guess it it why not yeah why not um awesome uh lose big three number two uh why this is a more specific why why were there uh donkeys and uh ducks and pigs on this sweetwater planet um whereas like almost everything else that we see that's like an organic life form in this other than humans are oh i guess we see an owl at some point but almost yeah, everything else is like some sort of alien thing or uh, like a robot or a combination of them. So that's why a great question. are there all those that's livestock a, on Sweetwater? That's a great question, Lou. I'm really glad you asked that. I asked myself the same question, asking why, why there were ducks, why there were donkey, little baby donkeys and little mm-hmm. baby wild boars on, on uh, Sweetwater, uh, which they took with them. They brought with them onto the ship because mm-hmm. you don't just leave animals in uh, a galaxy that is scarce of water. Of course not. Mm-hmm. So they have these animals running around the ship and become a very, very comical plot device when they go through the time warp. The animals actually age. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they were going for. You see the older donkeys. You see the older ducks. You see the older wild boar piglets turn into full wild boars um to, to full boars so this is i think that's the reason uh surely like simply just because they wanted to show aging during the time warp sequence uh that's uh, that actually makes a lot of sense they're it's setting up the gag and and i did i am on record saying that was one of my favorite bits in the movie so yeah, yeah. uh so yeah no actually i'll i'll give you that that's um that's it's that's very pretty good quick the shots of them running around during that sequence, it's very quick. They don't yeah. exactly like like stop and show them, but it's what it's what happens. But it's a nice extra detail that helps with like selling that concept of of this right. rapid aging. Including um, including Roscoe's oops. huge and massive white afro that he's wearing. <laughs> uh my third question, this I think this is kind of a fun qu- uh, question. Lose big three. Number three. Um, if you were able to take one character from this movie and add them to the guardians of the galaxy crew uh who who would it be 
adding a character to the Guardians of the Galaxy crew. Oh, would absolutely be Killjoy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Killjoy is the most inventive, creative. He's the most plucky, mm. uh, you know, sloth, if, if for those that aren't understanding who I'm talking about. He's the one that kind of gets out of situations with interesting costumes. Mm. You know, he's... Uh, is that that character that you would encounter randomly uh, throughout the galaxy again and again and again, you know, finding some creative and clever way to do something. So I, I think he's probably one of the best characters. That's a good choice. I it's for me, it's a coin toss between uh, Zeno and Angelica Houston's character. Whose name is made Maida? Maida. 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 Yeah, it's a, it's a toss-up between Meta or Zeno, um, because Meta is is effectively Gamora. Uh, she's a badass, like space pirate woman with a sword. Um, yeah. Killjoy is a little little bit of like a Drax, but smarter. Um, yeah, and Zeno, I don't know. Ron Perlman is always great. I think I think a lot of these characters would actually fit in with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I feel like. This movie is probably one that James Gunn has seen. Um, and I'm not saying that it that. influenced Guardians, but I do think like maybe in a tongue in cheek way, he made some references to it. Uh, but it's like yeah. it's it's like Guardians is a way better version of what this movie's trying to do. I would absolutely agree with that. It's Guardians adjacent. You know, it's definitely that type of movie. It fits the same kind of similar uh, sci-fi fantasy niche, except of course, Guardians of the Galaxy, drawing from the comic books and and mm-hmm. having a whole lot more uh, content um, and special effects, of course. Yeah, um, Ros- yeah Roscoe I- is a is a is one is like may- maybe a good pick for me too, because um, he he he'd get along with like Rocket because he's a tinkerer and you know can reprogram robots and stuff. Yeah, each each character in this movie has a Guardians counterpart in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it it it's a yeah, it's very very interesting that you point that out. I mean, I I wouldn't never consider Guardians of the Galaxy having in tropes, but they do they do. And this movie, you know, kind of you know copies that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Jason, are you ready for uh, our bonus questions? Mm, yes. First of all, Jason, this is a section of the podcast that we call What's Your Snack? So as unappetizing as this movie is, um, <laughs> did you enjoy any delicious snacks while you were yes. watching it? Yes. Okay, so we're bringing a new snack into Robots versus Dinosaurs. Um, this is going to sound unappetizing and when I say this. And I was thrown into a tizzy the first time I encountered this food. But I ate fish dip during this movie. Fish dip? Fish dip. Um, yeah. So it's a delicacy that is regional to eastern Florida, mm. uh, specifically around like the Vero Beach, Port St. Lucie areas. Uh, so fish dip, if, if it's also called smack. Uh, S-M-A-K, smack. Neither of those things sound very appealing. <laughs> Neither <laughs> things sound delicious. They need better branding. Right. What it is is a smoked fish that's um, it's kind of turned into like a tuna fish consistency. It's ground with mayonnaise and spices. Um, the fish is usually a white fish, uh, like like um, wahoo or mahi. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also make other varieties. Like there's a salmon smoked salmon fish dip, a smoked salmon smack. 
but it's it's a um, a regional delicacy that you can find in 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 fish uh, restaurants, you know, uh, in in um, tiki uh, uh, bars in the area of of Port St. Lucie. Okay. And my my girlfriend went down there uh, for a trip, and she brought back two canisters of two containers of smack, and I enjoyed some smack while I was watching it. Smack is traditionally served with club crackers, so. They they bring out a you know a bowl of smack for you and you have club crackers you eat it with and it sounds disturbing mm-hmm. because it's 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 fish and dip, but <laughs> again it's it's delicious because it's smoked fish and they add you know mayonnaise and spices and stuff like that and it has like a similar consistency to tuna fish. Um, it's really good. It's really good. I had I I ate so much smack. I was I was at least enjoying that while watching this movie. Okay. You probably felt like royalty because fish is probably extremely rare to the people in this in the Ice Pirates universe considering water is so rare. I was thinking the same exact thing. There's are there fish in this this universe in the in the galaxy with water being so scarce? If so, probably only the rich have access to them. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and and uh, if anyone's looking up uh, fish dip, um, I would recommend Summerlin's Summerlin's fish dip. They're probably the the best that you're going to get down there. Okay. Um, you can uh, it's a local little seafood restaurant. I'm not sure if they ship it, but Summerlin's um, smoke ba- Summerlin's Baywood smoked seafood. Uh, you can get some some fish dip. It's over in Fort Pierce. Okay, uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, had. Uh, uh, when I was watching this movie, I had a uh, co- like a really big chocolate chip cookie from Chip. Um, well, actually, I think they've recently renamed it to Chip City Cookies, um, but that's it's like a really good bakery in my neighborhood, mm. um, and they make gigantic, gooey, delicious cookies. But I lost my appetite as soon as I saw the space herpes. Once you saw that space herpes, like I can't eat for ten years. Yep. I will not eat food ever again. Thank you very much, Ice Pirates. Um, Jason, if we were going to recast the Ice Pirates with any <laughs> any two characters from the movie, with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito, who would we recast, and how would it uh, would it potentially save this movie from obscurity? Mm. Okay, yes. So uh, we're going to recast whoopi goldberg as wendon so bruce valanche's character simply because they're best friends mm-hmm. uh, and i think they were probably hanging out uh, when this movie was made it would be fantastic to see her in that character just being a head you know coming around uh, you know being carried around the scene um making some quips um, about everything that's going on mm-hmm. um and uh, danny devito would i mean he would be he would be a good bad guy uh but he, i i he would be the best as one of the dumb robots, you know, just, just if you're going to make, if you're going to make Danny DeVito a character, and if you're going to have the robots talk, which they do and they don't just make him one of the robots and, and just say all the things that we want him to say. Okay. I, How about yourself? Who do you think? I, I like Whoopi as the emperor. Um, okay. I like that a lot. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think DeVito, um, as uh, Killjoy, because uh, <laughs> Killjoy, Killjoy, yeah, I, I absolutely loved um, John John Matizak's performance, but uh, just the just the the reversal of like you know he's this big intimidating dude in the jail cell, 
um, that nobody wants to mess with. And when he stands up to full height, it's just, it's Danny DeVito. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, Jason, is does this movie give a plus one, neutral, or minus one for robots? Um, this movie gives a minus one for robots. How come? And because the movie de- depicts how poor robots can be, even in a space age uh, fantasy film uh, where water is super scarce. Like the, these robots are just bad robots. They keep falling apart randomly. They pull themselves apart. They they get in the way. They don't mm-hmm. really help. They hinder. So th- I, this is absolutely a, a minus one for robots. Um, yeah, it's 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 probably one of the worst, like the, the dumbest robots you'll ever see in your entire life. Yeah, no arguments from me. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I'm endeared to some of the robots in this movie, especially the one that's crying over its baby. And mama robots, uh, but uh, there's offensive robots. There's there's the slaughtering of family robots. Mm-hmm. There's there's masturbating robots. There's robots that get their heads and legs cut off. They they disassemble themselves. There's racist robots. Like, this is this is this is a bad depiction of robots. We we have to give this movie a negative one. And if anyone says the positive one, I would love to hear the reason why. Roscoe, actually, I was going to say Roscoe might give it a positive, but he gets frustrated with the robots in the movie a lot uh, when they're not quite doing what he wants them to do. So maybe he wouldn't. Um, Awesome. This was a terrible movie, but it was fun to talk about with you. Absolutely awful movie. Appreciate you watching it, Lou. Um, We can put this into the ranking of bad movies on Robots vs. Dinosaurs up there with Tammy Tammy the T-Rex and um and uh, star kid um we, thank you well I, i'm gonna push back on that a little bit i yes it's bad quality like those are but but i would watch tammy and the t-rex again tammy and the t-rex has some charm to it um and i and i would definitely sit down and watch it again i actually really really liked watching it this is a bad movie uh, Star Kid is also a bad movie, and if I can help it, I will never watch either of them again. <laughs> There's going to come a time where someone's gonna be like, "Oh, have you seen this movie? It's called The Ice Pirates." It's mm-hmm. like, "No, I have never seen it. No, no." Um, but you have to admit to the fact that you have seen it. Yeah. Well, I'm on I'm on public record now uh, as having seen it. Th- th- this podcast alone would uh, kill any dreams I ever have of running for president. Yeah. Um, um, before we before we end the podcast, I had to ask the question about pirates. Uh, Luigi, what's your favorite pirate movie? Um, oof. Does the Goonies count as a pirate movie? I would say yes. That that would probably be my favorite pirate movie. Because that probably is my favorite. I like the first Pirates of the Caribbean is. I'm, it feels like the obvious answer, but it's so good. It just has. Like, it has that moment when Jack Sparrow is coming into port and his ship is sinking and he's just got his his leg up and he's on the mast and he just casually steps onto the dock. Um, It's it's so good. And uh, Jeffrey Rush is amazing in it. So I don't I think it's hard to top Pirates of the Caribbean as like the quintessential pirate movie. Um, But Goonies, if it counts, is probably my favorite. I'm also I love Cutthroat Island. 
Cutthroat Island. Okay. How about a Muppets Treasure Island? Oh man, yeah. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna rank Muppet Treasure Island uh, much higher. I'll actually even rank it higher than because there's no question compared with Goonies that it's a pirate movie. So yeah, that's a, such a good one. Strong. You know what? That's like a. It's a coin toss now between that or the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Also on the table is Hook. Also is Hook. I mean, it, in terms of quality of filmmaking, Hook is good, but in, it's, it doesn't just land as a, as a, as a complete story uh, like Goonies or Muppets Treasure Island. What about yeah. you? What's your, which, which one is, is your favorite? I, I, all of the above. Um, Goonies is probably my favorite. I just like that kind of you know, uh, Indiana Jones-esque story. Uh, they're they're you know, trying to solve the, the, the history. Um, but also a movie that you don't think of it as a pirate movie, but Captain Phillips. Ooh. Oh yeah. 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 It's not, a, not a fun swashbuckling film, but it is a pirate movie. Yeah. And, uh, as a drama, it's, it's, it's probably, you know, Tom Hanks at his finest. Um, it, yeah, it's very, very compelling. Hmm. Yes. That's probably like the highest, maybe like highest quality of film, uh, <laughs> out of the, out of that category. Um, awesome. Well, uh, uh, thank you for, thank you for, I don't know what I'm thanking you for. Um, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you for discussing this movie. Thank you for discussing this movie with me. So I didn't have to go through it alone. Right. That's a lot of, a lot of Stuart Raffles movies, you know, they should be watched with others. They shouldn't be suffered through alone and and thank you maybe one day we'll we'll get through mac and me uh or or mannequin too uh mac and me is is definitely a tragic movie um and i encourage anyone listening to the podcast to watch it mannequin too i could see like i could see an angle for that whereas like you know like a mannequin is kind of a robot mac and me might be a little harder like what's the in on that? Is there are there robots in it? Would does the alien count as a dinosaur? There is robots. Uh, you know, there's they, robots in Mac and Me. There, there are robots in Mac and Me. Uh, there's toy robots uh, and robots Mac and Me. Um, it's it's yeah it's <laughs> oof it is a movie. <laughs> uh, and the fact that it was sold so hard to the youth of America, uh, wow. <laughs> uh, well. Listeners, you might you might have that to look forward to or dread, depending on your sensibilities. <laughs> um, but this has been uh, everything I've ever wanted to say about Ice Pirates and probably more. Um, <laughs> thank you again, Jason, for being on the show. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, anything they might be working on at the moment? Uh, you can find me on the internet. Um, do a search, Jason Carubia. Um, I'll keep you up to date with anything that's happening down the road. Uh, nothing at the moment, but keep following, and we'll definitely share anything upcoming. But awesome. thank you so much, Luigi. Appreciate being on the show again uh, and uh, in, in introducing the world of the Ice Pirates to you. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Jason C. I'm distinguishing you from the Jason in this movie because you are a much I better Jason. I don't want to with that Jason. <laughs> You're a much better Jason, trust me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no contest. Uh, actually, that's a great way to end the podcast. Contest over. Contest over. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For some reason, everyone's always eating apples. What? What? I'm not going to argue with your theory on that, and I, I want to discuss that less. They're not good robots. Yeah, that's about all I want to say about it.